Let's get back to Sports and Torts with David Spada and Elliot Harris on TalkZone.com. Who is the toughest player you went up against? You know, I'm asked that uh, almost every time anybody's around and I speak someplace, they will know who the toughest lineman is. That's it. Um, you know, the best answer I can give you is that all of them are tough or they wouldn't be playing in the NFL. There, uh, there are some of them better than others. And, uh, the ones that are better, uh, are the ones that, uh, are quick and got the strong upper bodies, but they don't come straight at you. They'll either try to go around you, uh, uh inside, outside, or just not come at all. Uh, and uh, those guys that you have to really be set up for. And uh, although I didn't play uh, but one game against Green Bay uh, while I was at Cleveland, uh, Henry Jordan was, uh, was in front of me, and he, he was one of those guys that was quick. Uh, he was number two in the uh, NCAA wrestling championship. Uh, he's number two, I think, a guy in – Oklahoma uh, was number one. Hodge, I think his name was, but uh, Jordan was second. So that means he's awful strong in his upper body to be a, a wrestler like that. Uh, and of course, back then, I don't know of anybody hardly that lifted weights. You know, those were no no in high school and college and in the early pros. When I got out, they started uh, getting on weight programs and. Uh, everybody thought if you lift weights, you'd knot up and you couldn't run, you couldn't move. But then they found out if you lift weights and then stretch, you don't knot up, you don't get bulky, and uh, uh, you just become stronger and so and faster, you know, depending on how you did it and everything. So uh, anyway, yeah, uh, you got big ones like Big Daddy Lifcom. Uh, he was about three ten. Uh, and all of them, I understand, uh, kind of would not try to the coach and you know how much they really weighed, but uh, the players would say they they weighed much more than what they said they did. So, and they had uh, Rosie Greer with the Giants. Uh, he was around 300. And uh, uh, I guess the biggest one I played against was uh, Roger Brown, who was a defensive tackle for Detroit. He was about 320. And, and another guy, the Browns, uh, another guy, the Browns traded Doug Atkins. He was huge. Who was this? Doug Atkins. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, I was trying to take some of the, the, the they've got rid of some good players, but uh, they had some good ones that they uh, they kept. You know, they, they felt like they could do better with that. I assume that that was the reason. You know, they. Uh, uh, Brown had a system of uh, how he picked the players and uh, to stay on the team, or whatever. And uh, he'd line up all of his coaches, which were about four, <laughs> maybe five, at night, and uh, he'd get in front of them. And uh, each one of them would have to hold up their hand and, you know, hold up a finger, two, three, four, five, as to what they thought about different players. They would pick a player to look at, and most of them looked at him, and then that night they would vote off. Uh, what do you think about it? Is he doing, should he be kept another week or another few days or whatever? And uh, so that's basically the way 
uh, it went. If he thought they were good, he'd stay. And whatever. Anyway. Yeah. Now, you've been inducted in the Baylor University Athletics Hall of Fame in the College Football Hall of Fame. And then you were inducted yeah. to the Cleveland Brown Legends in 2005. You ever ask the Browns what took them so long? No, uh, <laughs> I've been told that I'm one of those guys that fell through the cracks and never even thought about it. What about the Pro Football Hall of Fame? Do you ever do you feel like the, you belong the, in there? The NFL? Yes. Hall of Fame? Yes. Yes. I. Uh, uh, when I left Cleveland, I was told that I would be in the NFL Hall of Fame. And uh, we were down at, uh, when I was inducted into the Cleveland Legends, uh, my wife and I went, and uh, we went over to the Hall of Fame in Canton and went through it. And uh, they took me down into the vaults, I guess you'd call it, uh, behind the bars and everything. I don't know if you've ever been there or not, but... Uh, Yes. Uh, it's pretty well locked up and went in there and they, they got this row of files all in there and they picked my file out and came in. They had all kinds of, uh, stuff and writings and everything on me. And, and, uh, that's neat. And I said, uh, uh, my old roommate was, uh, for a year or two was Ray Renfro. And I said, uh, do you have Ray Renfro's uniform here? Somebody said you did. Oh yeah, yeah, we got it. So they went and got it and said, "You want your picture with it?" I said, "Yeah, it'd be great." So I uh, uh, take my picture with it, and and uh, they sent it to me. Uh, I guess texted it to me or somehow. And uh, so on the way out, going up the, the elevator to go upstairs, uh, I said, "By the way," I said, "Is my uniform here?" I said, oh, no, 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 your uniform's not here. We, we, I said, well, I just asked because when I was at Cleveland, uh, Mark Kono and uh, Leo Murphy said they were going to clean it and send it to Canton because that'd be in the Hall of Fame. And he said, oh, no, no, we don't have that. Well, I get back home, and I get a email from Cleveland, and they said, uh, by the way, that guy's really embarrassed because your uniform is there. I said, well, you tell him to send it to me if I'm going to be in it. Just send it home <laughs> my kids, or I can put it in the state, uh, Texas Hall of Fame or something like that. I said, yeah. uh, it's just going to sit there and rotten. So why don't you send it? And they said, oh, no, they can't do that. Well, I don't know what to deal with. Yeah. Well, you did make it into the Texas Sports Hall of Fame in, in 2008. And uh, yeah. that's in Waco, if I recall, right? Yes, it is. It's, it's a real nice still there. It, it's uh, all of the, the sports in the state of Texas Hall of Fame, and, it, and it's just really a, a real nice deal there. And it's right off campus of Baylor University, so uh, you got a lot of people traffic coming through there, and uh, they have a lot of functions uh, at the uh, the deal. Uh, they took donations to build it, and uh, then they built a addition to it to the old Southwest Conference uh, Schools that was there for years and years until it busted up, and uh, it, it they've done a real good job with it, and uh, they've got a little, I don't know, a little area there you can go and sit down and, and see some of the highlights of some of the games and hear Tom Landry talking or uh, Roger Tallback or, or whoever you know playing, and 
then you see some colleges and everything. It, it, it's just really nice. They, they've done a good job with it. Yeah. I've, I've been there, and uh, it's amazing how many great athletes came out of the state of Texas in, you know, in all oh, sports. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And that goes with the women and all of them, you know, yeah. and women. It's just, uh, it's just, uh, uh, of course, you know, uh, we that are Texans are, uh, and if you, we got people that come in from out state, and I said, well, you got here as soon as you could. He said, we absolutely did. <laughs> we get out of where we were, we wanted to come to Texas. So, yeah. But uh, there's a lot of people that are not that way. But uh, I met one guy, he was selling his house, and I was trying to buy it. Uh, my wife didn't like it, so we didn't buy it. But uh, he was trying to get out of Texas as fast as he could. He went back to uh, uh, the east, uh, Baltimore, I think, where he was from. And six months later, he was back in Dallas. I said, what happened? He said, I found out that I didn't like Baltimore. <laughs> and I fell in love with Dallas and Texas. <laughs> So what house were you trying to buy for your wife, uh, South Fork? No, 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 no. I couldn't afford that. I still can't afford it. Uh, I'm just a, a beat-up old ad man that uh, I've made a little money. I, I've never wanted to be wealthy. Uh, maybe that was my biggest problem. But uh, I'm, I'm okay. And uh, good Lord been good to me. And uh, so this little old country boy down there, born in a... Two bedroom house with no water, no electricity, nothing. We had uh, dad had two cows, two horses, two pigs, two dogs, and a cat, and a bunch of chickens. And uh, it was great until I was seven years old, and my mother and dad got divorced. And my mother raised me and my older brother and younger sister, and put us all through high school. That was our whole. Uh, life was to get the three of us through high school. Neither side of my family, my dad or my mother, ever got through the sixth grade. That was the highest. And she just was praying that we'd all get through high school. And we all did. And we all graduated from college. And, uh, she's, uh, and she died at 53. She, uh, had, uh, diabetes and she died of complications of diabetes. And my dad had tuberculosis and and emphysema, and he died at fifty-seven. Wow, fifty-six, excuse me. And uh, so it, it's uh, it's just been a for me. It's been a great life. All my family's gone now. My brother and my sister all passed away. And uh, my brother was a big smoker, and uh, he died about eleven, twelve years ago. And uh, my sister about uh, six or seven years ago, I guess. She died in her sleep. My dad, I mean, my brother smoked, and he had lung cancer. So, and and, and I've I've been, you know, I, I don't smoke or drink or go with women that do. So, uh, <laughs> and uh, the good Lord just been good to me. Yeah. Do you ever get back to Baylor for any football games? Well, uh, occasionally my son played for them, uh, and I was back to every game that was there. And uh, being uh, a member of the Cotton Bowl and Lake uh, deals, which I've been a member of almost 40 years now, uh, I got to invite them when uh, in 1980 
when they played the 81 Cotton Bowl. My son was on the team. He was a senior then. And then I got to invite them to the Cotton Bowl, and that was a great thrill. And of course, I never missed a game while he was playing down there. But recently, no, I, I've gotten to where uh, I don't like to get in traffic. I don't like to, uh, you know, I, just uh, the hustle and bustle and doing it and what have you. I get to where I don't want to fly anymore. Okay. Uh, waiting in lines and parking and it's just, uh, I don't know. I, I guess I'm just getting old and lazy. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, it, it's much better to get old than to not. <laughs> yeah. The alternative is not too good. And I get to see my grandkids. I've got uh, my oldest grandson is, is 27 and uh, he just had our first great grandchild, uh, about three months ago, two months ago. There and we're happy. What I find interesting is I saw a little trivia question out there. Who is the richest NFL player of all time? And people would think of Peyton Manning, people like that. It surprised me who number one on the list was. I don't know if you know who it is. Uh, I don't know. I, you know, Roger Staubach has done that's, very well. That's now. it. That's the answer. It shocked the <laughs> hell out of me. I know Roger real well, and he's he's a tremendous competitor. <laughs> and uh, we were in a fitness deal down at uh, Houston uh, that uh, Vice President uh, – uh, who was it? Cheney? Uh, was, was running it, and Roger was down there, and we, we had uh, a fast walk, we had basketball shooting, we had uh, weightlifting, we had uh, everything down there. And uh, we got into this weight deal, uh, pressing, and uh, uh, we got up to about uh, 215 or something like that. And uh, uh, he jumped in there and got up to 225, and, and I, I passed. I said, I'll go to the next group. So he got up to about uh, 235 or something like that, and he couldn't do it. So I got over <laughs> and did it, and made the man didn't know what to do. <laughs> <laughs> he he didn't like to lose, and well, she got three tries at it, and never made it. But it 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 was a lot of fun. It's it, it's good to be with people that are competitive like that. It's, uh, and you have a lot of fun with it. Being on the Cotton Bowl Association, do you miss the days when the Southwest Conference was one of the teams that would always be in it? Do you, do you yeah, like that, it, do you uh, like, we were talking about it this year. Uh, there's uh, John Scoble. His dad was Mr. Cotton Bowl, and, and, of course, he's on the committee. He and I, are, uh, he got he's a year ahead of me as far as, longevity with the Cotton Bowl, and we're all uh, past chairman of the Cotton Bowl. And, uh, but uh, I got to travel with Phil Scoville. Uh, I was on the team selection committee, and uh, we're talking about how we selected the team to play the Southwest Conference champion. And uh, we reminisced about uh, different places, and I'd always go with Phil Scoville, his dad, and uh, he'd always show me where all the ice cream parlors were. We <laughs> We loved ice cream, and that's the first place we'd go to ice cream. Get us a big old ice cream deal. And, and uh, of course, most other people they'd head for a bar or something, but we'd head for the ice cream deal. And uh, had a lot of fun. And, and uh, you know, you, you get to meet a lot of wonderful people. Uh, we had uh, Notre Dame in here and involved in that and going up and watching them. 
and being with them and, and having a lot of fun. They were, uh, it was funny, I played in a college all-star game in 1955 in Chicago there. And we played the Browns and, and beat them. And I just found out about a year ago why we beat them. Uh, Otto Graham had retired and he didn't play in that game. <laughs> but Paul Brown got about retiring after that. He got beat by, by the college all-stars. And, uh, but anyway, it, it, it was a lot of fun. It just, uh, I don't know where I was going with the story. You know, that's part of the aging process. You get going on a story and, and you got all these trails that go out different ways and you start chasing them. In the real estate business, we call it chasing rabbits. You know, you chase one rabbit, you think you can get him, another rabbit comes along and you won't chase it. So uh, anyway, you, you get lost in all that you're, you're doing. And, uh, but, uh, anyway, it's, it's the keto long life. We talked to Charlie Winter a couple of weeks ago. He's 90 some years old. He eats ice cream every day with his wife. So just keep eating the ice cream. <laughs> well, that helps. <laughs> and, I and think, not, and not going hunting with, uh, uh, which was several years ago. I'll be 83 next, next month. And, uh, uh, about uh, I had my shoulder uh, ball on my shoulder removed and, and replaced with a titanium cap about four years ago. And since that operation, everything is just uh, kind of slowly going down. I don't know whether it was uh, the operation or the getting taken out because I uh, and I still walk a little bit, but I was walking like uh, four or five times a, a week, uh, three miles and. Uh, a little bit of uh, weightlifting, but uh, a little bit of exercises and what have you. Nothing heavy, anything just to kind of keep the tone. But after that operation, I couldn't do anything for about six months or, or more, and then for about actually a year or two years. And uh, you get out of habit of doing those things, and your whole body goes down. And, uh, and I think the biggest thing, uh, you know, in, in keeping fit and whatever is exercise. I think uh, you got to keep your blood flowing. And uh, the blood is what cures everything in your body. You know, it carries oxygen and oxygen is what cures things. So at least I'm told that and I believe it. And I think it's been that way. And uh, I just, uh, I don't know, it, it, whatever. I, I just think exercise is, is good for you. And uh, although I'm not doing as much as I should. <laughs> You're right. Keto long life. Exercise, ice cream, and don't go hunt and don't go hunting with former Vice President Dick Cheney. <laughs> <laughs> well I do hunt and I do finish. <laughs> I, I, I've got a little place north of Dallas, uh, about thirty miles from my house here and I've got a three and a half acre pond on it and I have loaded it with bass. <laughs> <laughs> So you won't go hungry. Yeah. yeah. Well, I've enjoyed it. I, I don't know if I did any good or you can use any of this stuff. Uh, just remind everybody, he's just a beat-up old has-been. <laughs> but it's better to be a has-been than none at all, I guess. Definitely. Well, I know a lot of people. Well, go ahead. I was just going to tell you, a lot of my friends I found out last night, my wife had talked to some of the other wives. How many of the ex-players have getting Alzheimer's and dementia? And some of them I played with, some of them I hadn't. But they, 
they're all good friends of here in the Dallas area, and it, it, it's just uh, uh, you don't know what from head injuries, yeah, and what have you. I've had seven concussions, and uh, uh, so it, it's. Uh, but I'm in a in a program with uh, Southwestern uh, Medical Center here, uh, Brain Health, and Dr. Hart's doing it. I'm in my fourth year. And he doesn't understand me. He thinks uh, uh, something's the matter with my genes. I'm doing too good. <laughs> he said, I'm not supposed to be this way. After nine years of pro ball and, and seven concussions, he said, you can't be this way. <laughs> said, your IQ is too high. Well, that does it for another edition of Sports and Torts. Hope you enjoyed the show. Our thanks go out to our guest, Jim Ray Smith, and our executive producer, Dave Olson. Tune in again next time to Sports and Torts on TalkZone.com.